Hello there. Welcome back to episode 61 of Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob. Um, we are recording in person again. Um, we're so lucky to do this. Um, after this week, in a Galaxy will actually, for real this time, be going bi-weekly. Um, uh, so, uh, no episode next week, unfortunately. Um, but we do have three great episodes of uh, Star Wars, uh, The Clone Wars to watch today. The last three episodes of Season 4, we've done it. We've made it through Season 4 of The Clone Wars. Um, today, we watched Bounty, Brothers, and Revenge. Or, in my case, Bounty, Censored, and Censored. <laughs> um, for the words I would use to describe these things. Uh, because you'll see uh, what I think about them. Spoiler, it's um, not good. Eli actually warned me before we started recording, he said, I'm going to be a little saltier than usual. Oh, yeah, this so is going to be fun. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a, oh, yeah. it might be a little bit of a circus show, but we'll... Uh... In Bounty, Asajj Ventress inadvertently kills a member of a bounty hunting team who, uh, who has been hired, that team of six, um, the bounty hunter she just killed, plus Boba Fett, Bosk, Las Razi, C-21, Highsinger, and Dengar, to deliver a mysterious package on the planet of Quartzite. Ventress reluctantly um, joins their gang, and they all go on Bosk's ship, Hound's Tooth, to um, Quartzite, um, where Major Rigoso um, tells of a mission uh, that they have to transport cargo for his master O to a blank. Um, Blank's mission to deliver this on a high-speed train has been thwarted several times by a group of warriors who go by the name of the Kagi Warriors. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I'm just going to assume I am. Uh, until Sounds somebody, right to me. Until somebody on Twitter corrects me. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Ventress and the Bounty Hunters engage the Kagi Warriors until they realize that the Kagi Warriors are trying to rescue Pluma Sodi, who is the sister of their leader, Chrismo Sodi, who is trying... Who, who is trying to get his sister back from being forced into an arranged marriage with Ochoa Blank. Ventress sympathizes with Pluma and does a little sneaky, pulls a little sneaky, and um, puts Boba Fett in the crate instead of uh, Pluma, and then just takes off with extra money. Yeah. That's pretty much the episode. Um, okay, Fortune Cookie. Who we are never changes. Who we think we are does. Um, this is an interesting. This is an interesting fortune cookie, in my opinion. Um, I don't entirely agree with it at face value, but I think maybe what it's what it could be trying to say, at least as far as Asajj Ventress goes, is maybe who we are never changes, but what part of us we chose we choose to focus on, what part of ourselves we choose to emphasize. That can change, and that's what we see Asajj Ventress doing here. But I would contend that this fortune cookie might go a little better if it read more like, who we think we are changes who we are. Because I think in this episode, Asajj really, she changes how she views herself, you know, at the end when she says, I have what you guys don't. Or I used to be just like you, talking to the rest of the bounty hunters, she says, but now I have a future, and she kind of realizes that she's a bit of a different person at this point in the story. Um, and and she in this episode, you know, she kind of learns that she's capable of 
compassion. She's capable of yeah, more or less good, more or less good acts. We'll say, you know, returning the um, the the captured um, girl to the Kagi, um, and that she, she she sees that she can help others, and I think that this could bring about more change than just the act itself. Uh, that was yeah. my interpretation of uh, it. I think that's an interesting interpretation. I like the I love identity quotes in Star Wars. I actually wrote down a bunch here. Kylo Ren is dead. My son is alive. Um, from Rise of Skywalker. And then from Force Awakens. That may be so, but you cannot deny the truth that is your family. Yeah. Um, and then from Return of the Jedi. You failed, your highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Also from Rise of Skywalker. I haven't come to rule the Sith. I've come to end them. And then um, finally I did one from Red to the Sith. Uh, you're a good person. Don't do this. What do the, all these quotes I ha have in common? They're arguments about who somebody is. The first one specifically I want to talk about. Kylo Ren is dead. My son is alive. Even though Ben did absolutely terrible, atrocious things as Kylo Ren, I do believe somewhere in there the soul of, there was the soul of Ben Solo. Yeah, definitely. 100%. And that's, I think there, there's, there's, there's a core of somebody who doesn't change, even if other attributes of them, like Ventress, for example, good or bad, I don't really think that's part of the core of Ventress. Ventress, more than anything else, is a survivalist. Yeah. She will do what it takes to keep herself alive. Whether that's fighting for the good guys or the bad guys or whoever it is, she will do what, it's to do what it takes to keep herself alive, to keep herself in the fight. I don't think that's going to change no matter who she allies herself with. This episode, I think, would have become a lot more interesting if what would eventually have become Christy Golden's novel Dark Disciple was actually a Clone Wars arc like it was intended to be. Mm. Um, because yeah. more people will have, would have witnessed Ventress's redemption yeah. in that book. And I think, I think going back to what you said... Going off of what I said about how, you know, you're always maybe in, in this viewpoint, if we're going off the viewpoint of the fortune cookie, you're always the same person. I think I think definitely what I was trying to say was you maybe maybe the core of who you are doesn't necessarily change, you know, the way you kind of approach the world, the way you exist in the world, the way the way you kind of interact and fit in, but you can choose to embrace for, for this purpose, you can choose to embrace your good side or your evil side, although Absolutely. it isn't always although it isn't always that simple. I think that, yeah. yeah, that kind of, I think that's I think that's really the message here. No, 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 absolutely, I I, I I agree with that. It's not who you are. It's it's what parts of yourself you choose to embrace that that define you. Yeah. Um. So let's uh jump into the episode. Why don't we? Absolutely. Okay, so uh, the first thing um, we see is Ventress touching down on what planet, Jacob? What planet? Uh, to slightly misquote um, one of my favorite Star Wars characters, why does everyone want to go back to Tatooine? <laughs> that was, yeah, that was a bad. That was I'm a bad like, fit impression. I, but, knew, uh, I knew she was going to come back to Tatooine, but I'm like, but does she have to, though? Yeah. It, it's like, come on, guys. You know, I, like, it, uh, pre the Marshall, besides from Marshall and um, KOTOR, I don't see any compelling reasons to go to Tatooine anymore, guys. Come on. Like, yeah. 
the only good storytelling I think we get on Tatooine post-original trilogy is the Marshall, Knights of the Old Republic, and um, Twin Sons. Also Ray Skywalker, but that I don't really consider that like storytelling because that's like two minutes of a movie. I think um, a lot of what happens in The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones is really awesome. I actually I'll grant on, you Phantom Menace. Like, I'll grant you Phantom Menace. Um, like, the, but even in like, I know, yeah. I know, um, I know, Attack of the Clones is not high on your on your personal yeah. ranking of the movies. Yeah, I like but it. I mean, yeah. come on, that scene with the the Shmi's burial scene no, that is that's a, that's a good scene. That I, is heart wrenching. Yeah. That is absolutely heart wrenching. While it is kind of funny how much Tatooine seems to seems to keep keep coming back where it isn't strictly necessary. I think it does make sense because Tatooine is it's well established as you know it's a you know, where the tumbleweeds are all, you know, vagabonds, castaways. And it kind of, it has a certain, like when you hear, like Tatooine, it has a certain feel and it tells us something, you know, this is where kind of the lawless are. A lot of the, this is, it's kind of a good example of the outer rim. Um, And that's kind of where we see Asajj Ventress, you know, she's kind of a castaway. She's drifting. Yeah. She's still indefinitely a very negative, a very negative place. She's doing some heinous deeds, but she's kind of just drifting around, you know, drinking alcohol, getting in, getting in bar fights, getting yeah. drunk, that kind of thing. Um, and I think Tatooine kind of tells, like, when she gets off and it's on Tatooine and she goes into the bar, the cantina, that you know, that tells us about what's happening so i think that some of these more familiar planets while i do look forward hopefully to seeing them used in more diverse ways they do help convey something about what a character is going through if they're in a certain place i just realized something kind of sad what what's our next live action piece of star wars coming up kenobi nope book of boba fett Ooh. Where does that take place? More Tatooine. Where does Kenobi take place? More Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then I really, I really, then I really double down on hoping that they, um, hoping that they give give Tatooine. I think they'll give more, more, um, more world building, kind of flush it out a little bit. Maybe I think they'll give more Tatooine world building in Boba Fett. I don't think they'll give more Tatooine world building in Kenobi, only because. I get the sense we won't be spending a lot of time on Tatooine and Kenobi. Uh, on, yeah, in Kenobi. Yeah. So yeah, she's in the most Eisley Cantina. By the way, when Bosk and Lots Razi recruit her for their team, are they sitting in the same seat that Han and Greedo seats that Han and Greedo sit in eventually sit in in A New Hope? That that segues me perfectly to answer your question. I have no idea. I am not. I am not that versed. In the minutiae of the the cantina scene, but I did want to segue into the parallels. I thought were really cool. Not just you know chatting in the booth, all Han Solo and Chewbacca, but Ventress and and her moment when she kills the other bounty hunter. That made me think a lot about Obi Wan. Yeah, severing. Uh, is, it, is it Ponda Baba's arm? Yep, absolutely. When Obi-Wan severs Ponda Baba's arm, because, you know, it's interesting that, that Asajj is the character they use to eventually have a parallel with that. Because um, they do, they, they cross paths, obviously they cross paths a couple episodes over, and they're, 
their stories at least their stories in this era are pretty pretty not pretty but they are they are intertwined and they definitely have and they're similar like, like, yeah like they definitely Obi-Wan's, kind of have a connection obi-wan on tatooine in in new hope is trying to stay hidden Ventress yeah. on tatooine in this episode mm-hmm. is trying to stay hidden it's interesting to see the contrast between obi-wan who like he does sever someone's hand which is pretty brutal but yeah. from the jedi from the force perspective you know they're just disarming someone no yeah. pun intended disarming. whereas asajj you know she just goes straight in for the kill yeah. and I, I don't know i just think that's a i thought that was a, a very cool nod to to the original um the original cantina scene and kind of Absolutely. contrasting where obi-wan and ventress are at in their moments at the cantina I like it um, not because of what it says about Obi-Wan and Ventress, though your point is a very good one. I like it because of what it says about the cantina, because <laughs> Ventress kills the guy, and then she goes, I'm not much of a talker. <laughs> and then the band just starts playing yeah. again. Mm. Like, absolutely no idea. And it makes it so, like, when Obi-Wan cuts, up, cuts off Baba's arm in New Hope, it's not, like, this shocking moment because you get the feeling by having this enhanced view of the universe this is the kind of thing that happens all the time in the Mos Eisley Cantina. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're violent. violent and we see that in um, Sphere of Influence with uh, Chairman Papanoida. Oh, absolutely, yeah. They just <laughs> shoot up the whole place. They then... shoot the entire place. If you're going to have a fight, apparently the place to do it is the Mos Eisley Cantina. Yep. So should we move on to the uh, the planet? I forgot the planet name. Quartzite. Quartzite, Which okay. Which is an incredible name, and it's a great planet, too. I love the planet. <laughs> Yeah, I thought the whole the whole concept I think is 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 very cool. Um, the pressurized um, atmosphere, the the subtram, the space tower. Yeah. The space tower is awesome. The space tower is pretty cool. Although I could never ride those elevators because I'd be constantly terrified. Because look at how fast those things. Yeah, are. they're. It looks like they could be the world's for Star Wars, uh, not World's The Galaxies. They look like it be the Galaxy's first supersonic elevators or something. I don't know. That, absolutely crazy. But... I'm just now imagining, like, a Galaxy's Fair. Apparently there was one in one of the High Republic books, The Rising Storm. <laughs> I'm just imagining now, like... So, yeah. We invented... So, yeah, we are... Hi, we're... Um, we've worked with these space whales called Pergils, and we've invented this new method of travel called hyperspace travel where you get to um, where, where you get to travel through space and increase speed. What speed is that? The speed of plot. Oh, yeah. really cool. What did you guys invent? Really fast elevators. <laughs> Very limited well, use Well, that's case. cool, I guess. I feel like there's some there was some filler kind of in between the train fight and them arriving, but I, I don't know. I don't really remember it. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll just... It's just kind of very... It's very boilerplate, kind of, hey, what's this cargo? Don't That's open the none box. of your concern. Yeah, don't open the box, which means... Don't open the box. By the way, it's, I, I knew this because I've watched the episode before, but, like, whenever they say don't open the box, the box is going to be open in the episode. And whenever they say don't open the box, that's how you know that whatever's inside the box is either very important to the plot or a total plot twist. Yeah, pretty much. Or both. Or both, That's yeah. In this episode, um, yeah. Uh, uh, actually, I don't know how it could be a plot twist, but also not be important to the plot at the yeah. same time. Well, that would be a red herring. Yeah, no, yeah, that would be a red herring. Yeah, you're um, right. Uh, 
I don't see too many. We don't see too many of those in Star Wars, though. But you know, okay, on occasion we do. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Um, but I love these Cagney warriors. I'm so sad we don't see them more in Star Wars. It's their only appearance, and I love their le- their leader is so cool. Uh, Chrismo Sodi. Chrismo Sodi, yeah. Yeah, I really love the the ninja, the silent ninja look they went for with all the purple clothing um, on the Warriors in the train fight. I mean, most most of this episode, probably a solid third, probably a solid third of the runtime, is entirely ac- action and yeah. fight scenes, and so I think it's a darn good thing that. It is quite a good fight. In my opinion, it is quite a good fight scene, you know. The 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 Kagi warriors are awesome. Um the backdrop is very cool, the the giant crystals. It's a very unique tunnel, very unique too. backdrop. Um I even I even noticed that the music at certain points seemed to have electric guitars infused through it. And That's I really thought cool. that by the way that I kinda think... bumped up the energy and added to the, the mood and the vibe. Chrismo Sodi and Nest. Yeah. They're basically the same character. Because what do you think the first time you see Enfys Nest? That's a bad guy. What do you think? What do you see the first time you see? What, what do you think the first time you see Chris Masodi? That's a bad guy. Are either of them bad guys? No, no, they're just pitted against each other. The the protagonists are just recruited by the bad guys. Oh yeah, that, yeah. So that, that's what I tried to say. Yeah. I didn't quite say it correctly. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I actually do like the whole idea that you posited there about the whole like action thing. This is something I love when Star Wars does. I love when Star Wars mixes genres. It does this a lot in both this episode and Brothers. In this episode, they do a lot of um, I feel like what they do a lot of like Mission Impossible esque action movie tropes. Yeah, it's really interesting. In this one, it's definitely way more objective focused than a lot of Star Wars fights and, and battle scenes you really have you know kind of it, it almost yeah it definitely i agree it definitely feels more of like that that heist that heist situation feeling yeah. you know but working more, their way through the train more, like snowpiercer or but something more kickboxing than like something like solo um, yeah which is also a heist movie but a very different heist feel um yeah. and then we have brothers which is basically star wars gothic horror like that's what that's what brothers is. It's a it's a guy on spider legs, a talking worm, and a magically enhanced horned man. Yeah. I mean that's gothic horror right there. I I also by the way, my MVP of this episode, who does not get talked about enough, who who I think totally you should totally see more in Star Wars. I want to see more High Singer, man. Heisinger was awesome. I mean, he as invented far- the IG-11 move before IG-11 did it. Yeah, I mean, as far as badass droids go, Heisinger is incredibly badass and, and really doesn't get a lot of love. I literally wrote at the end of this episode notes, when are we getting a Disney Plus series about Heisinger? I wanted a Disney... I also, the Disney- name. What? The name. Yes. Where does Heisinger. that come from? It's well, not a number. I, I actually it's C ninety five High Singer. Oh okay. But still though, still. Still High Singer. Yeah. I I want to know. He seems way cooler than ID eighty eight. Sorry, ID eighty eight. Don't kill me. Um, though I know you're well capable of doing that. <laughs> um, you win all four of your variants. There are four of them. In Legends, A B C and D. 
There are four of them. I know there are at least four of them. Anyway. And then the box tips over. Yeah, and the that's... box tips over. And of course there was no lock or anything holding the box closed. So it just One tips over in the, the precious the precious cargo. Yeah. Actually it was Ooh. dissolved by was liquid it? when we couldn't see it. The lock was dissolved by a liquid called plot. Well, we couldn't see it. <laughs> I thought I thought I was about to hear some deep lore. No, nope. no, you got jokes, huh? Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. We're moving at the speed of plot today. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> but yeah, you know, with the girl, do we ever get? Do we ever catch her name or Pluma? Pluma Sodi. Okay, Pluma Sodi. So you know, when Pluma tumbles out, you know, it's interesting how Sage Ventress. Obviously, at first, she totally doesn't care. Yeah. She's like, you're just another job. But then Pluma says to her, I never asked to be ripped away from my home, from my family. And um, and, and Ventress, internally, I have to imagine, she goes, too soon, Pluma. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They kick up the emotion of the episode after what's been a lot of very, very fun and pretty intense, but ultimately very low stakes action action scenes you know kind of building yeah. up and all of a sudden boom they Pluma. they hit you with the feels yeah. Pluma arrives and then suddenly everything has more yeah. stakes they hit you with the feels but then ventress just like she does care and yet she also goes out of her way to not care you know she still demands a ransom i i imagine ventress thinking like this okay i'll do this this does not mean I'm a good person yet. I refuse to be a good person. I refuse to be, you know, these Jedi goody two-shoes. Yeah. I'll do the right thing. Sort of. Love it. Yeah, Ventress, Ventress right now is at that very interesting stage that I want to see more of where... Yes. And I think it's at the stage where the, Mandal the Mandalorian, or Din Jared and the Mandalorian kind of passes through that stage pretty quickly. But it's the intermediate stage between kind of good or being more good or more evil where, where you're at that place of, um, I'll do this good thing, but I still need to get something out of it. There needs yeah. to be something in it for me. I, I'll never, at this point, she's saying I'll never just do something good, go out of my way to help someone for the sake of helping them. Early Clone Wars Hondo. Yeah. And actually, late Clone Wars Hondo. And Rebel Sondo. <laughs> actually, not Rebel Sondo. Really? Rebel Sondo leans to more towards good, generally. You think so? Yeah, but like the, and today, I like children. <laughs> that is like totally, yeah, he I is. will do the right thing, but it financially benefits me. Yeah, dude. And then we get to the part where, you know, Boba has his, his little confrontation with Ventress. And I think this is an interesting moment for Boba as as well as for Ventress. Yeah. Because he's kind of realizing that while he is trying to, you know, he's acting big and tough and he's trying to lead this team, but at the same time, he he kind of gets bodied by Asajj and he realizes that he's also not all that yet, although he is very skilled. Yeah. And even he realizes even though he has to carry on his his dad's legacy he also needs to kind of find his own path i also just i'm imagining um boba being like between this experience and then um 
uh, between this experience and then the experience he had with Plo Koon um, in Lethal Trackdown, I just imagine him being like, oh yeah, that's why Dad said never to mess with Jedi. <laughs> Boba does not have good Boba experiences. Boba gets a raw deal in the Clone Wars, man. He really does. It's... And I'm pretty sure this is the last episode we see him in, in the Clone Wars. Oh my gosh. Imagine if Boba were to meet... I don't know if they ever met face-to-face in the Clone Wars, but imagine if Boba were to meet Ahsoka in, in Season 3 of The Mandalorian. They met face-to-face in the Clone Wars. They met face-to-face in the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah okay. Because so I'm saying, again, like, what if they were to reunite? Wow. Yeah. It's pretty uh, no, minor. I thought you were going to say this, which is going to happen, I'm sure of it, in Season 2 of The Bad Batch. Boba meeting Omega. That, too. I can't That's wait for it. I cannot. I'm sure of it. I, I hope you're right. That would they be very cool. They dropped him in season one. It's... He's basically Boba, uh, Omega's brother. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing how Boba Fett has gone from... He's he's turned into such a prolific character in Star Wars, you know, all the way from the Clone Wars to the Mandalorian. And now from, he's getting his own TV show. Yeah. From a character with basically no speaking role originally, or very little. I think that's I think that's pretty sweet. Leave it to Star Wars to introduce a character that's such a badass, but then to explore. So what does being this badass mean? <laughs> <laughs> and what yeah. if there were a whole army of badasses Go that betrayed it. their that betrayed their commanders? Like that's only something Star Wars can do. Just get into it philosophically. Yeah. Yes, that is only yeah. something Star Wars can do. Yeah. Um. So, uh, anything else about this episode? Nothing else, really. Um, I, what, what were your overall thoughts? So, this episode, I don't think this is going to surprise you. It was my favorite of the three. <laughs> um, not not surprised. No surprise there. This episode is very excellent, though. It's not because of the other two's falling flat. It's because, <laughs> of, this, it's because of this episode is, is genuinely good. I love Christmas Sodi as a character. I love the planet of Quartzite as an environment. There's a lot of stuff I like about this episode. It's, it, it, it's very one. It's one of those massacre-esque episodes where it's off the beaten path of what Star Wars usually does, and I, I appreciate it for taking that risk for going there. Um, I love the new characters, with, of course, Chrisma Sodi and Pluma and Otoa Blank and High Singer. God darn it! Yeah. Hashtag justice for High Singer. <laughs> um, I I also liked this episode. Maybe not as much as you did, but I I really liked. It, the development of Asajj Ventress, we kind of get to... We don't really ever see her arc totally come to fruition in the Clone Wars, obviously, but it's nice to see her start to take some steps in that direction after everything that's happened. And it really seems like at the end of this episode, it really does seem like she's started to heal from a lot of the pain that she's been subjected to throughout the Clone Wars up to this point. So I'm a big I'm a big fan of this episode. In Brothers, we see Savage Opress, and he's a little bit he's a little lost. He's kind of ramp he's just rampaging around the outer rim. He contacts Mother Talison, who helps him track down his long lost brother Maul. So he goes to the planet of Lotho Minor. Hijinks ensue. Uh, meanwhile, um. The, the scene of one of his crimes is investigated by Anakin and Ahsoka, so now the Jedi have kind of picked up on the plot that, you know, 
Maybe there's another murderous Dathomirian quasi-Sith Lord roaming around. Though they knew about Oppressed from before. No. They didn't know about him, but they now know that he's, you know, he's, anyway. he's, on, he's, on the, he's on the hunt for something more. And then, so eventually he goes to Lotho Minor. Wacky hijinks ensue. There's a talking snake. There's giant metal monsters. Eventually he finds Maul and he rescues Maul. That's 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 pretty much that. Yeah. Okay. In honor of the return of Darth Maul, the Clone Wars logo is red in this episode, um, as it's also blue in the D Squad episodes in honor of R two D two. The nice color scheme things. Okay, let me just put this off the bat. The fortune cookie for this episode is maybe the worst fortune cookie I've seen so far. What? I love this fortune cookie. It's so incredibly confusing. It makes what? I think it makes. A fallen I think it makes... enemy may rise again, but the reconciled one is truly vanquished. That makes perfect sense to me. Really, I I had to actually talk it out with some people because I had no idea what it was about. So interestingly enough, I looked at some research on this. It's adapted from a quote by German playwright Friedrich Schiller. Wow, <laughs> that's a deep cut. I know. Um, Damn, Clone Wars. Yeah, um, but actually, they omitted one word, which I actually think improves the fortune cookie. The original quote is, a merely fallen enemy may rise again, but the reconciled one is truly vanquished. I think they should have stuck it in there because that makes it more clear for me. What did you get out of this one? I like it. Um, just as a quote by itself, I think it's very cool. Um, but I think I think um, it may not... I don't think it really directly has a lot to do with this episode, but more so overall with Maul... And with Kenobi, obviously, from Kenobi's perspective, Maul is his fallen enemy who is now obviously returning. But now Kenobi, you know, being Jedi, will he ever be able to to truly reconcile his differences with Maul? Because that only only then will he truly be in the clear with Maul. Oh, I see. That's interesting. So uh, I took this in a completely different way. This is the idea. Basically, the idea is that, like, Dark figures, you know, your Palpatines, your Mauls, your Dooku's, will rise and fall. But taking out the leader is not how you deal with the darkness. Confronting the darkness is how you deal with the darkness. Yeah. The figureheads are only that, figureheads. They're only people who are personifying those ideas. But you actually have to face the darkness inside yourself as well as the people around you. The fallen, A fallen enemy, uh, a fallen enemy may rise again, you know... Uh, Palpatine comes, Palpatine falls, Palpatine comes again. But the reconciled one is truly vanquished. But if you can banish the darkness itself, then that's your ticket. I I do have more to say though before oh, before we move on. This ahead. is this is where it gets this is where it gets really really crazy. I have no idea if this was some planned foreshadowing or 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 what, or if this was a purposeful callback. But I think this quote goes absolutely amazingly with twin sons because as obi-wan kills maul once and for all in twin sons as we know that maul is actually dead what is their last interaction it can be seen as a reconciliation obi-wan cradling maul gently closing his eyelids maul using his dying breaths not to curse obi-wan's name but to ask obi-wan about the chosen one 
I think that's quite a parallel. I, th- I think it is a great parallel. When you see that Maul, when I, I Maul actually, is truly van- Maul is only truly vanquished once he reconciles, or once Kenobi kind of reconciles with him. Here's another parallel I got for you that I that I thought of too. Twin Suns is very good. Rise of Skywalker. Palpatine comes back. You know, dark figures will always uh, uh, come back. You know, Palpatine in nine represents sort of the, you know, you can defeat a dark figure once, but they'll always like they'll always find some way to cling to power. But by combining all their forces in the big fleet arrival on Exegol, the reconciled one is truly vanquished. They're not just defeating Palpatine, they're defeating the dark side, goddammit. You know what I mean? They're they're fully assembling it against not just Palpatine, but the entire Sith fleet, the entire the the ones who want to rip the galaxy to shreds for their own amusement. This is not just defeating Palpatine, this is because you see even after um the Battle of Endor. The Empire doesn't go away. Yeah. The Jack Who happens a year afterwards. But with Exegol, and I'm sure there's a little bit more cleanup they have to do, of course, but this is the final showdown. I, I think that's I, I think that's a very um interesting idea. So getting onto the diner scene, the first part Actually Actually you, there's more? You have there's more? There's more. You forgot about this, and I'm don't blame you because the scene is totally forgettable. This episode does not start in the diner. Really? This episode starts on the planet Sereno. Oh, where Dooku of course, yes. Yes. Which, by the way, I want to say something. This episode structurally is a mess. Like, anytime they cut away from Savage, Maul, and uh, Talzin is so strange to me. Like... Every single cutaway they do with Anakin and Ahsoka, with Duke and Grievous here, and then with Obi-Wan and Yoda at the end of the episode, all basically says the same thing. Hey guys, Maul's coming back. In case you didn't notice, Maul is coming back, guys. I think that, I like that though. I like how they're build, I like how they're slowly building up the anticipation. It makes the payoff better when we actually see the reveal. So I would di- I would disagree. I think structurally, I think it makes sense. I don't know. I, I feel like I I'm, I'm, I respect that. I just I don't know. To me, it feels like very superfluous and very like yeah. it's just like it, they're just advertising to something that we already knew from a season back. Yeah. But I didn't go into the episode with the best of spirits anyway. Yeah. So um, okay, well, agree to disagree. Absolutely. Moving on the diner. Imagine just imagine having lunch or or dinner at a random diner. And then you just see a giant evil Dathomirian walk in and start rampaging. Because what just else randomly. possibly could have been happening in that scene? You know, it kind of cuts in in the middle, but he's he's just force choking a random person. Everyone's running around, running around and screaming. It's it's like crazy. Chickens with their heads cut off. Yeah, I don't I don't understand. He. It's it's a weird scene, um, and like, uh, but it's 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 a crazy scene, um. I think it's another parallel, though, because if I may cut in here, you know, this episode, I think, obviously, it is related to the previous one with Asajj, um, seeing as Asajj comes back in. I I kind of, and also, side note, I do really like this style of, um, of kind of relating the episodes, even if they're not related, or having, having arcs that aren't necessarily two completely separate things, but they're ostensibly separate arcs that also have a little bit in common. But my point is, 
I think that I love, I actually love the parallels between Assage and, and, um, and Savage. Obviously, they're both lost and directionless at the beginning of this episode, you know, Savage wandering around, just getting in trouble, Assage wandering around, getting in a little less trouble. But then we see, now, as their paths diverge, Asajj, you know, she says she has a future. She, she finds she finds her future. She does a good deed. She she starts to try and redeem herself. Savage, on the other hand, he sinks further into the dark side he, by seeking out seeking out Darth Maul. You know, becoming Darth Maul's apprentice, pledging himself to his tutelage. And we see how eventually those two paths, eventually the dark side, leads to Savage's demise. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I also like Ventress's little cameo in the episode, and here's why I like it, and I don't like, I realize I don't like Grievous and um, uh, Dooku, and then Anakin and Soka. Obi-Wan and Yoda all, all connect later, but Dooku and Grievous. Do Dooku and Grievous ever do anything in the Clone Wars against Maul? No. I mean, they do, they, you know, they're in the Son of Dathomir comic, but that's... Not Maul versus Dooku or Maul versus Grievous. That's Maul versus Sidious, and, and Sidious is using Dooku and Grievous as proxies. And Anakin and Ahsoka, at least in this arc, are they involved in any of the stuff without with 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 Maul? No. Obi Wan tell oh, Maul tells Obi Wan next episode to come alone. And other than Ventress, who seeks Maul out and who seeks Savage out on her own terms, Obi Wan does come alone. So I feel like it's a little strange if Dooku and Grievous. And separately, Anakin and Ahsoka have nothing to do with this arc to include them. It's a weird yeah. setup plot strand that seems. But Ventress, I will admit to you, Ventress is really good because you can see how the arc for her in this arc sets up. You can see that she is sensing this disturbance, and it hits a little too close to home, like I said about um, Pluma in Bounty. Like, she is. She knows the danger that Savage can can cause. She was there when he was created. You know what I mean? Uh, in this episode, I will say this too. Um, Ventress refers to Savage. You can you catch what he, she refers to Savage as? Uh, I did not in this episode. A monster. They refer to Maul and Savage as monsters, and I love this because I love the idea that you know. Maul, and I don't love this specific idea, but like, no, Maul came back to life. Savage got transformed from this ordinary, like, uh, Dathomirian Zabrak into this beast of a person. But what did they lose? Like, the dark side gives you things that you want, but it takes and takes and takes. We know this. Yeah. It's the, in this war, a danger there is of losing who we are from Lair Grievous. Like I've mentioned 770 times on the show. What, what do you want? What are you willing to get for? What, what are you willing to do to get it? And in their quest for greater power, Maul and Savage give up a lot of their humanity. Um, and they become these monsters. Yeah. Like, there's a reason that that episode where Savage turns from, from Zabrak to Beast is called monster. You want to just go on to Lotho Minor? Yeah, let's 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 do it. You know? I'll applaud this episode for this. I'm gonna I'm gonna give the episode credit for this. 
You're planning such a dark episode. I love how they they purpose, purposely fit the setting to match the tone. Yeah. Like, the set, setting was perfect. Yeah, I think the setting is absolutely perfect. You know, the talking snake, the, the fire breathers, yeah. the monsters. The smoke in the air. Yeah. Like, it's it's so kind of... sky. It's so kind of... Not only is it just dark and chaotic, and there's kind of the feeling of carnage, but... It's so trippy and surreal that it feels the perf- like the perfect backdrop Absolutely. for something as, as, whether you like it or not, something as crazy and kind of unexpected as Maul returning. Yeah. Uh... But before we move, one more thing. Well, like, you know, like with, 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 um, with Savage, you know, he gets the amulet from Talzin, things like this. I find it very strange that Talzin... He's giving more attention and support to Savage and none to Asajj, as they are both kind of adrift and cut out of the the, the Night Sisters. Especially since Asajj was a Night Sister and Savage was just supposed to be a pawn. Yeah. And 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 Talzin admitted to that, and Savage even betrayed and tried to kill Asajj. So what what makes Talzin now all of a sudden switch up? On everything, is, do you, like? Does she just think that Asajj is a failure at this time? Is she trying to I don't think so. hedge her bets? Does she think that Savage is more powerful or a, a better person to bet on? I think this is this is it. This is my explanation, and I'm not saying this is the right explanation. This is just my opinion. I think because Talzin gave Savage the mission before the Night Sisters got wiped out. Oh right. So I don't think. She's paying more attention. I just think she knows that, like, she can help, she can realistically help Savage, but there's not much she can do for Ventress. But what a, what could Ventress, what could Ventress do for her as such a power, as both a powerful Night Sister and a powerful Force user? She's foregoing a lot of help from Ventress, especially in the Night Sister's time of dire need after most of their coven has been wiped out by Grievous. Why is she for why, why my question is kind of why is she foregoing that? Why is she not also trying to communicate with or support Ventress? I also think this is another thing. It's too, I sorry, go ahead. Because you know, the Night Sisters are all gone. There's not yeah. like, you know, Doc is gone. Everybody was in charge of the old magic so gone, pretty much except for her. She only has so much power. And I like to think, this is another thing I like to think, that, like, you know, Maul, she knows that Ventress, she doesn't know what path Ventress is going on, but she does know that, she does seem to know that it's not with her for some reason. She, I, I probably because of her incredible powers in the Force, but I also think she knows that Maul is still out there and... You know, I'm not sure how literally this is, but she's his mother. Like, Maul's a part of her family in a weird, twisted way. So, it's one of those things that, like, it might not be about, like, she hates Asajj, but she has, like, just a personal attachment to Maul. So maybe it's less about a not wanting Asajj and more about... Wanting Maul and wanting Savage. But even so, she clearly holds Asajj in such high esteem. Maybe it is actually 
kind of an act of selflessness in a way. She's saying it's time for it's time for me as a night sister to let you go. Yeah. Because she again, she clearly is like, you thing. gotta you gotta get out of here. You know, she, she kind of But then again, next season she'll take over the Frangal cult for like no reason. Yeah. But like whatever. Hey, hey, two steps forward, one step baby steps. <laughs> two steps forward, one step back. You know? Uh, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. So Lotho Minor. Yeah. Okay. I think the talking snake is a, is a little much. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I wasn't a fan. <laughs> Felt a little weird. I'm am just gonna let you let you finish before I, I go off. Oh wow. I mean, <sighs> I hate this guy so much. I use probably the most amount of obscene language in any of my notes ever. By while, while talking about this guy, Morley, you're dead to me. I hate you so yeah. much. So I have a particular disgust for anything worm-like or snake-like, which is why I couldn't watch Brain Invaders earlier in In a Galaxy. I hate Morley so much. My favorite scene in this episode is when is when Savage throws his dead carcass into the fire. Whoa. Because I just can't. Whoa. <laughs> I just, like, it, it just disgusts me. Um, I just can't. I, I can barely watch this episode because of Morley. Um, it's just, it's just a sensory thing for me. I don't like that stuff. I will say this. I'll, I'll, I'll draw a parallel. Did you notice that, that, the Tal, the, the amulet that Talon gave Savage at the very beginning of the episode deactivates for a little bit. And then, and then Savage yells into Lotho Minor, puts his hand up like this, and yells out in distress. Displaced... Dathomirian Zabrak Sith Lord yells out into the desolate wasteland about someone they're trying to find, uh, maybe. Lost, searching for one. Oh. Kenobi. Now that is a nice parallel. I did not. I did not see that coming. Good job on that. Yeah, I, I, I was like, oh my god, that he's really going yeah. there. He's really going there. And yeah. I mean, beyond the worm, you know, the worm. It's interesting. It's very, you know, we get this kind of. Just this groveling underling character. Like he's like yeah. once I, once master, once I master like feeds on your corpse, then I'll get the leftovers. Yeah, by you know, the way, that kind of thing. A little bit like Gollum. Quick side something. note: I never want to hear "I get the leftovers" delivered like that ever again. Period. I get the leftovers. <laughs> that was creepy as all hell, and I hate that so much. Yeah, that was creepy. Uh, maybe we should just move on to the the mall mall's reveal. When we I actually start to things. see Maul. Oh, okay, go for things. it. All right. Um, the Junkers that Savage fight. Do they remind you at all of the Scrapper Guild in Fallen Order and then now in the Bad Batch? Not really. Okay, because that's where my mind immediately went, and I'm like, I wonder if Respawn used that as an inspiration for their Scrapper Guild and on Bracca in Fallen Order. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I will say, before we get to Maul, one of my other structural problems with this episode is that I feel like every detour they take with the fire breathers and the junkers and all that kind of stuff is just, like, treading water until we get to Maul a little bit. It does def- It definitely feels like they have to stretch this out yeah. to a whole episode. Yeah. And I think, in a way, they could have really gone all... Either they should have taken it out entirely, or they could have gone all out, you know, really made this... Savage's tri- like the trials that Savage yeah. has, or, all or, the trials and tribulations he has to go to before he can find his brother. Or to your other point, they could have done it the opposite way. 
and made it so that Savage almost immediately finds Maul and make the episode about what happened to more about what happened to this guy. That would be way more like this is a, in my opinion. I like this. I think this is a good episode, but I think that would have made it more interesting. Yeah, I definitely uh, think that would have made it more interesting. Yeah, and yeah, and anyway. Um, but, also, by the way, I want to I want to talk to you about another thing. Superhero that's sweet in the galaxy. Spider Mall. Spider Mall <laughs> does whatever a Spider Mall does. <laughs> Oh my gosh! This is how bored I was with this episode. Oh my I was gosh! You were thinking I was taking I was like taking detailed notes about the themes. You were just talking about spy. You were talking about Spider Mall. All right. I have deeper themes too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I want to talk about Mall because he is just ch- absolutely chilling yeah. in this form. By the way, he it, it, this is just an absolute masterclass of voice acting yes, from Sam. All Whitworth. credit. All credit. This episode goes to Sam Whitworth. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Just the... His, oh. I hate a lot of the lines this guy says, but the way he says them makes me love them. You know he, I mean? Yeah, like, I mean... The, the dialogue, I think, is actually pretty bad in this episode, but, like, the way he delivers it is beautiful. The passion. The, it's it's great, yeah. It, My favorite part, when, once we meet Maul, obviously, you know, he, he's, he's this crazy, psychotic, rambling spider mechanical spider monstrosity but then once once um once he starts talking to to savage and savage says who did this to you? who took your legs and then like he he you know he's kind of cackling he's he's all over the place um voice wise and then he just has a moment of complete clarity and he calms down and he just says i must have revenge yeah that is the most I, that I, is the most beautiful moment up, for me some great stuff um, here, Maul recites versions of the Sith Code. The chains, yeah, the chains. No, wait, no, wait. Um, the victory and my chains are broken through strength. I gain power through power. I gain victory. Uh, by the way, the chains. The chains are the easy part. It's what goes on in here that's hard. That's just, yeah. By the way, this line is also said in season three by the also Sam Witwer voice, Son. When he's in the demon shape, when he's captured Ahsoka, when he's in that oh, devil wow. shape. Uh, but I love when, when Maul says it here, because, you know, it makes it clear that Maul could have left Lothal Minor any time in the last 13 years that he wanted to. Really? I, that's, what, that's what I interpreted as. Maul could have gone, but what's keeping him back? His own, like, madness and mental instability. Like, you, you, you think that he was unable to leave simply because he was insane? Yeah, I don't think he could get hmm. himself to leave. Interesting. I mean, I don't think he would have been successful. I just think he, like, you know, the chains are the easy part. The physical limitations are the easy part. You know, he had Morley doing all of his bidding for him up there. The, the physical world is the easy part. It's what goes on in here that's hard. It's what goes on in my mind. It, what, it's what's going on... Because I lost to a Jedi, man. I killed his master, and then he cut me in half, man. I also love this. Um, Mercy is a lie. The delusion of the weak to make themselves strong. He has some incredible lines in this. Wait, so mercy is a lie. A delusion of the weak to make themselves strong. So why do you beg for mercy at the end of season five when you're being captured by Sidious? Have mercy, please. 
Sorry. Hmm, I wonder why. Could it be that he too has become weak? Oh, that's not what I was thinking. I was just thinking of, um... I mean, I guess that's what I, I... I guess, like, it's easy for him to say that now. Like, he's out of the action. He's living on a junk... He's living on a junk planet. Put him back in the action, it'll change his tune. But it's easy for him to say, Yes, mercy is for the... Okay, my old master's blasphemy before that. Have mercy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, did you, I think you showed me the meme. Have mercy. Sorry. Mercy machine broke. Yeah. Darth Maul alive. How can this be? I killed him myself. It is so, I'm afraid. We're gonna cut there. We're gonna go to Rise of Skywalker. Somehow Palpatine survived. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. Yeah. This episode does feel a little bit like, but, yeah, somehow Maul returned. Does okay, feel a little I bit hate, of that. This is what I kind of, like, I just need to... Y'all are so quick to say somehow Palpatine survived is lazy, lazy writing. I am and, very adamant that that is... I'm very adamant that that is lazy. It's not necessarily that line. It's... I think I think a lot of, of people who are who don't like that part, me included, feel that that's pretty. It's em, it's emblematic of the approach they took. In that, it's like oh, we're just gonna make it so mysterious and complicated that you have to read all these reference books and and extras to to understand what happened. Yeah, here's the that's other thing. I think I think it's that more so than the actual okay. line. I I, will, I get that. That's not my point. My yeah. point is, how many reference books does it take you to read how Maul came back? None, because they explain it in absolutely zero of them. <laughs> like, I, people I, are so quick to come down on Palpatine, but they completely... My point is not defending Palpatine, although I will defend Palpatine. My point is Maul. Maul. Yeah. Like, we get absolutely no explanation for anything other than he survived off his anger and rage... Yeah. Cool. That anger yeah. and rage, like even the Star Wars universe, anger and rage can keep a body that's been cut in half alive. Is that really what you're saying? Uh, I'm not. Again, I'm not defending Palpatine here. I'm just saying people are so quick to I look like, over Maul yeah. surviving. Like, you know, it, it, it's ridiculous. From my perspective, for, for my for my explanation of why I kind of feel, for for example, why I express feeling hung up on Palpatine returning, but not so much on Maul. The, it worked. Maul's returning worked for me in terms of the execution in a way that Palpatine's didn't. And so I think it, this is a bit back. This does sound a bit backwards, but from my perspective, I think the fact that it was executed well, or the fact that it was, it, the fact that it was executed in a way that I liked made it easier for me to overlook it because it didn't draw the attention to the the plot the the it didn't draw the it didn't draw attention to the nitty-gritty plot details and i i think that um like like the line for example dark science cloning secrets only the sith new things like that kind of kept bringing me back and hanging me up on kind of it kind of took me out of the moment and 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 made me have to think about that more so i think that's the reason if i were to offer i obviously i can't speak for for others but i think that would be what i offer 
to try and answer your question. But I do think that's very valid also. Yeah. Um, I, I'll just like, I just, Maul's return has always been a tricky thing for me. I never liked the character to begin with. And although his story, once he returns, I think it's very good. I think the idea of, I think the idea of bringing him back was just generally an ill-advised one, especially by the way. So I'm not trying to like absolutely flip your opinion. I'm just offering this up as like, mm. Palpatine's return was planned in the sequel trilogy from Seven. And then we're going to contrast this with, um, with Dave, with George Lucas approaching Dave Filoni in season four of The Clone Wars. Hey, Dave, we're bringing him all back. How are we going to do that, George? He's dead. Make it work. Literally, the line George says to Dave is make it work. From, from my perspective, though, I'm going to try not to be too sassy, but from my perspective, from my perspective, the Clone Wars made Maul work, and the sequel trilogy didn't make Palpatine work for me. That, but I do that, see your point. Yeah, it's a perfectly valid opinion. But I, I also think that um, the, the, the plan, the, the, the thing about having it planned out, it's not that I care about planning for, like, having a plan for having a plan's sake. Obviously, the, the original trilogy, I think that, you know, with Luke kissing kissing leia you know with like luke kisses his sister leia kisses her brother like as much as as much as george lucas wants to say that it was planned from the beginning i i strongly i strongly believe it wasn't i strongly believe that it wasn't okay guys i think it's 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 not a um it's not a matter of planning for planning's sake but a matter of when i see something something that i didn't like I'm trying to point to the lack of planning to maybe explain why it didn't turn out in a way that I liked. Yeah. And I and I think that's valid. I just um I I'm again, this is not to stringently defend Pal and say like, you know, if you I have no problem if you are defending Palpatine yeah. though. Like, you I, can I, do I, that I, if what you I'm what I'm not trying to do, I'm not trying to gatekeep. No, this is what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to gatekeep. I'm not trying to say you don't understand Star Wars if you think Palpatine is surviving is um it, it is is bad but you don't understand well i'm just trying to explain my opinion from my point of view i'm just trying you know the fan base can get some pretty toxic sometimes and i'm trying to avoid a lot of that yeah um one of the other reasons i'm gonna just put for my displeasure with mall return is that it seemed to open the door in the disney era for bringing other people back hmm. echo trench boba <laughs> palpatine's one of them but palpatine's one i happen to agree with but i'll even include palpatine in there Death has become a less permanent thing since Maul. It does seem. And I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm not a huge fan, you know, like even Echo. Echo blew up until he didn't. French blew up until he didn't. Boba got swallowed by Sarlacc until he didn't. Now, in one of those three cases, actually, I think they're crafting an interesting story. And that's the case of Boba Fett. Hmm. Um, they haven't done anything incredibly interesting, in my opinion, with Echo yet, but I think they could. Wasn't there some some statistic about how he only had two lines in the Bad Batch finale or something? Really? That's ridiculous. He didn't have a lot. He yeah. didn't have a lot. He yeah. didn't have a lot. I'm really hoping they develop Echo more. And of course, Trench was just, they brought him back because they just kind of needed a villain at that moment. 
Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it does feel like... Oh, and Gregor. They brought Bre- Gregor back. Yeah. They do a lot of clones, don't they? Wow. Cool. But, um, but you know, it feels very Game of Thrones, Marvel-esque sort of thing to, like, just constantly be bringing these characters back. And, you know, who do we have to blame for that? Maul. Um, and again, it's it's a personal vendetta against Maul. I don't like Maul's character just in general. But, um, I would also, um, here, here's my pitch, though, okay? Before we move on here to the next episode, here's my pitch, okay? <laughs> Same episode, Journeys to Lotha Minor, but in, but but uh, Savage fault finds Maul's corpse. Savage finds, um, like like so basically Maul still died when Obi Wan killed him, um, and he finds in on Lotha Minor like the rotting corpse of his brother, and and he um, touches his brother's dead body, using psychom and he uses psychometry. And he finds, and, and and he, like, picks up on his dead brother's rage for Kenobi. And then all of the stuff that Maul would eventually do in the Clone Wars is now some stuff that Savage will do to avenge his brother's memory. Is my pitch. That could be interesting. Personally, I feel like... It's hard to imagine it because this is the plot we got, but I'm just, you know. I feel like it would be a little weird, maybe, because so much of that emotion and so much of what, at least for the people, I think for the people like, for the people like me who who liked or were, were neutral to positive about Maul coming back um, and the Maul-related episodes in The Clone Wars... I kind of liked the emotional kind of the emotional intensity that Maul brought and his his kind of thirst for revenge and how dangerous and unpredictable that made him. So I feel like it might be a little weird if all that was was projected onto someone who wasn't Maul, but I think it could be interest it could be interesting. I think the story might play out a little differently. Yeah. He might be a little less just frantically consumed with his need for revenge, but yeah, I still think it could, it could go down to some pretty cool rabbit holes. Yeah. Um, as we wind down our discussion of this episode, I just want to remind everybody, um, and again, it's not often that I uh, put such a blind hatred of things. Last thing, because I've been doing more hatred of things in this episode, I want to remind everyone that, you know, Star Wars is a wide universe it means different things to different people we're going through everything so that means there are going to be things in here that we don't like and that's fine if you like it then we encourage you to like it then i encourage you to like it i'm just what oh nothing sorry um and i i don't like it myself but that doesn't mean anybody else shouldn't um you know uh, i I generally like to say, like, find what you like, dive in. And because we're doing this completionist, there are going to be things that we don't like. So that's just kind of a reality situation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, do you have any other thoughts about this? I feel like we can kind of just pretty... This this is a it offers a pretty good segue into revenge. I mean, I cannot review this episode unbiased. 
because I have such a personal hatred for Maul. <laughs> so I, I, I feel like it's, it's one of my least favorite episodes of the series um, for that reason. But I, I do, there's parts of the episode I do like. Um, there, the tone of the episode is perfect, whereas Maul is perfect. Um, uh, but yeah, let, do you want to just move on to Revenge? Yeah, okay. So in Revenge... Uh, Savage has successfully gotten Maul onto his ship. He takes Maul back to Dathomir. Mother tells him she fixes up Maul, removes all the 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 whatever she uses her force powers. You know, removes whatever junk was clogging up his 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 brain. She removes his spider legs. She gets him a nice uh, nice nice metal new robot legs. Um. So then Maul and, and Savage go to a planet and they start slaughtering people and holding them hostage to get the Jedi's attention. And of course, Kenobi, being the Jedi, says he is, oh, I'll go, I have to, I have to write this. And so, you know, Kenobi goes, he, he, gets, he gets in the thick of it um, with, Maul, with Maul and Savage. And, and Asage, Asage actually shows up and helps, um, helps save Obi-Wan's butt. And Asajj and Obi Wan are forced to work together to, to escape from, uh, to escape from from Maul and Savage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, let's get on to the fortune cookie. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Hmm. Really? It feels a little bland, a little bit low effort. This um, is what you have in a season freaking finale. <laughs> The enemy of my enemy is like, yeah, duh. I mean, look, maybe we're expecting too much of the fortune cookies, okay, seeing as they've become kind of a, a focal point of yeah. our, uh, I, I like our bounty. discussion. I like Bounty. I like yeah. Bounty. Um, I thought Brothers was not great, and I don't think Revenge is great either. Um, I was thinking about this to, um, you know, it all be applies to Ventress and Obi-Wan, but I also think... What if it also is starting to lean to and foreshadow Maul's eventual Shadow Collective? Or also Ventress's eventual alliances towards the light side in Season 5 and Dark Disciple. Yeah. I it mean, doesn't I, just work for this episode, but in a meta sense yeah. for other things in those characters' futures. Yeah. And I think in a way, give it trying to give this fortune cookie the benefit of the doubt, in a way I think this message kind of goes back to... Um, to the message that we got in Bounty, actually. Um, the fortune cook we got in Bounty, where from Asaja's perspective, I think this kind of shows how she is on a bit of an upward trajectory at this point, because, you know, she's she's always kind of had maybe a, a, spe a little more, a closer, maybe somehow a closer relationship with Obi-Wan, maybe a little bit of a connection or a rapport there. Not necessarily, not in a romantic sense, I think, just... In terms of you know, they they banter back and forth. Um, they're kind of rivals. Um, in the earlier Clone Wars, as they do you want to run? Meet each I other. from watching you. Yeah. Um, and and they kind of, they kind of have this banter, and they know each other, and they're trying to. They always try to get under each other's skin whenever they encounter each other. And then and this it kind of is turned on its head, and we have that same dynamic, but they're actually trying to work together. So I think that shows how. Um, I think that I, th I think that does kind of show 
what what you and I were getting at with um with bounty where Assage she's not necessarily a, a completely different person now that she's not super on the dark side anymore, but she's still she's still like she still is the same person you know the the way she interacts with Obi Wan she's just obviously embracing a different side of herself now. Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, by the way, I just want to pause for a second. When Maul follows Ventress, not not Ventress. When Maul follows, um, when Spider Maul follows, Talon's globe of light. Did you think of a cat following a laser pointer? I did not. That's what it is, though. Yeah, it's it a is. cat following a laser. Pointer. And I think that, yeah, that more than anything, especially that just shows, that shows just how far Maul has fallen. You know, what once was great is rendered small. Yeah. I just literally in my notes, you can come over here and see it. In all caps, I put, I lost! I lost, goddammit! The Jedi! The Jedi beat me! Yeah, he is so mad, and he is he is not letting go. Is he a poet now? He's rhyming. Who is he saying? Fire above, fire above, something, something. And then, of course, he starts, he starts in the mantra, the name starts circling in head. Kenobi, Kenobi. I want to know how he knows his name. I don't know that's not important, but like, you know, it's not like he's Yoda. It's not like he's famous in the Jedi. At least yeah. not when Maul was, con- like, was sane. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, uh, what else? Um, oh, yeah. Um, this is another line from Talvin to Savage. We will survive. We always have. And then at that exact moment, we, we hear Maul screaming in the background. I'm like, I get it, okay? Maul's alive. You don't need to remind me. But I think that does kind of kind of act. That does put an accent, a little underline on what has really been the main themes of not just this episode, but also this um, this entire episode of the podcast. Which these episodes are about survivors. Asajj is a survivor. Maul is a survivor. Obviously, very much in their own ways. Maul is literally a survivor. However much I don't like it, Maul is literally a survivor. <laughs> and no, don't worry, Galaxy listeners. I will not be complaining about Maul's survival on every single episode that we talk about it, except for I might, but probably not. Um, oh, what, 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 what probably will happen is I'll probably moan every time Maul separately returns, like in Solo or in Rebels. Because that's the thing, that's the thing I hate, is they don't, they don't just bring back Maul once, they bring him back like three times. Okay, we're finally done with him. No, 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 he's back again. Okay, we're finally done. No, no, uh-uh. He's in Rebels now. Oh, he's in Clone Wars Season 7 now. He'll be in that Bash. Mark my words. I'm like, can we be done with this guy? And Star Wars is like, him and Ahsoka, absolutely not. No, we cannot be done with either of them. Even though we already killed one of them, we cannot be done with either of them. Never mind. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, but, um, by the way, you notice that when Maul gets restored, he runs around Dathomir 
Yeah. And then he unleashes and yells out. Yeah. I mean, by the way, this position. The arms. The Kenobi. The Kenobi position, you know, kind of yeah. head tilted back, chest out, yeah. arms I'm wide. Like, we should not have been so surprised when that happened in Rebels. Like, they were foreshadowing so much. And and of course, the iconic line, something or someone called Kenobi, it's an obsession. Mm. Is it? Really? I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what, what certain internet group could, could be. Oh, could be a could be ascribed to to that to that line. Yeah. Oh, or, or Ma- probably many different. Or things. I also thought something. Probably the entire fan mean, base at this point, to be honest. We should this. An obsession with something or someone called Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy. The fandom menace. Guys, I saw that. Guys, Mike Zero posted a video about how <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy is is gonna. Hire C three PO to to fire Brie Larson from Captain Marvel. It's all no, true, really. Come on. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Um, by the way, so let's talk about this too. Um, Maul in the fire. All right. Maul, you know, uh, slaughters children. By the way, did you notice the scene similarity to a certain scene from Revenge of the Sith? The way they show Maul's lightsaber igniting and the way they show the children right before he kills them and the way they cut away. Master Skywalker, there are too many of them. What are we going to do? I think they specifically modeled the Maul killing children on Radonia scene after Anakin killing the younglings. Yeah. That, I would not be surprised. Yeah. Um... But, uh, what am I going to say? Uh, yeah, but, um, but, uh, but, you know, you know, do you, you know the story of the creation of Darth Maul, the art direction creation of Darth Maul? When, um, Ian McCaig, who's one of the main concept designers for the prequel trilogy, was talking to George Lucas about what Darth Maul was going to look like, George Lucas was like, okay, I want you to design me something from your worst nightmare, nightmare. And he designed a creature that would eventually become inspiration for the Night Sisters. And George Lucas was like, okay, your second worst nightmare. And he drew Darth Maul. This scene is nightmarish. This is Maul fire behind him. Like, again, red and black face tattoos. You know, this is like, Maul is as terrifying as he can be. Uh, yeah, but like, yeah, it, it's an it's an incredible thing that happens with like this this demonic image of Maul and the fire. Like, this is supposed to be psychologically ruinous for everyone. Yeah, seeing Maul back here, and I think it really is a kind of yeah, it really rattles him. Another thing, just to to loop back a minute, that is really chilling in this episode, especially. In hindsight, now that we have season seven of the Clone Wars under our belts, is when Maul he kind of returns to to being like real Maul. He wakes up after getting his new legs, and he says, "The Force feels out of balance." Yeah, and that is just so chilling, especially considering, you know, during season seven of the Clone Wars, he is so on it about Attuned what happened. He force. is like so on it. 
and so right about what Palpatine is going to do. Well, and he's like he the only person episode. who can see it and he can't sell anyone else on believing the truth. He Well, he says it in in the episode, um, so it began without me, the Clone yeah. War. So he knew some stuff about his master plan. We don't know how much he knew about Sidious's plan, but he knew some stuff about his master's plan. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, by the way, any last words, Kenobi? You know, when I cut you in half, I should have named for your neck. Obi-Wan's like lightsaber to his throat by his worst enemy, and he's cracking one-liners. Yeah, it's yeah, that that part is is I like I don't know what legs. Obi-Wan is thinking. They, they make, make you look taller. It's the most savage that's the most savage line ever. Yeah. That's well, just like But but then Ventress spits some fire too. Ventress tracks Savage for a bounty. Look what we have here. Looks like he's half the man you are, Savage. <laughs> By the way, which the I'm making the official song of last episode, um, Brothers Yesterday by the Beatles. <laughs> Suddenly Yesterday. I'm not half the man <laughs> I used to be. Oh there's a shadow hanging oh. over me. Oh, that is foul, my goodness. <laughs> oh yesterday. Yeah. Came suddenly. Yep. Um Yeah. Um anything else for the episode of Revenge? No, just overall, um, these past two episodes, I know, I know you were not going to like this, but I think, what a return. Like, they're not the best episodes, especially I think, I think, um, Brothers has, has a bit of filler in it, but I, I mean, it's, it's always, it's always a little weird. I'm always kind of skeptical of dead characters returning, but I honestly thought that as far as those go... I thought that Maul's return was well executed. I thought they did a good idea of kind of hit dropping hints, you know, building up to it, letting the excitement kind of letting the viewers kind of excitement or anticipation kind of get rolling, you know, peeling as the Clone Wars often does so well, peeling, peeling back, back the, the layers. layers. Yeah. Peeling the onion away layer by layer. That's exactly what they do here. And I love it so much. Um, Jacob and I both don't like dead characters returning. Jacob cut slack for Maul. I cut slack for Palpatine, pretty much. That's yeah. how it goes for me. Simply put, I'm going to shock you with this. I think you're getting Jacob. Yeah. I'm going to shock you with this, okay? Revenge is my least favorite season finale of The Clone Wars. Hmm. And I know I said that Wookiee Hunt last season was very underwhelming. I think Revenge probably has the better story than Wookiee Hunt, but Wookiee Hunt is just, I just like it better. Um, you know, Hostage Crisis and Lethal Trackdown are both miles above Revenge, and I don't think you can even c- compare Revenge to the wrong Jedi, Sacrifice, or Victory and Death, because they're on a level of their own. Yeah. But, yeah, I was fine... There wasn't anything I loved about it. I liked this the 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 shot of Maul in the fire was pretty cool. I guess yeah, sure, that's fine. But like, yeah, I just really it, it's a fine episode. It's like it's all right, but like 
yeah, I yeah. just... I just don't know. It just doesn't sit well for me sometimes. It just doesn't sit well. This episode doesn't sit well with me. Jacob, so how would you rank these three episodes? How would I rank them? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Because it feels like, you know, you have, on the one hand, you have, it feels like I have two apples and an orange here. You know, the orange is bounty and then the apples are brothers in revenge. So I think I would Peter, go... why does this apple taste so rotten? <laughs> <laughs> Man. Oh, my gosh. You're not going to go. Um... <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. I'll give you that one. That was a good one. Um, I think number one would have to be revenge. Number two would be bounty. And then number three would be brothers. Uh, number... I liked all of them, though. Number one for me is bounty. Number two for me is revenge. And number three is brothers. But the gap between bounty and revenge yeah, is pretty very big. wide. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I'm very excited, by the way, to get into season five. I can honestly tell you that season five does not have an episode I hate in well. it at all. Actually, I don't think there's any. there are any episodes in... I think there's only one arc in the next three seasons that I think is kind of poor. At all. In the Clone Wars. Of the stuff we have left, I think there's only one arc that I think is not the best. And that's the Clovis arc in season six. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think we got great stuff um, on from here. Um, are, are we ready to get on to everyone's favorite part of Star Wars in the Galaxy? Yeah. Let's do it. What you brought me to die is worth one quarter portion. <laughs> Welcome to One Quarter Portion, the part of Star Wars in the Galaxy where we do a little bit of something different. Today we have Star Wars Opinion where we ask, um, where we ask each other two um, opinionated Star Wars questions. Uh, you want to go first? Yeah. Okay, go ahead with your first opinion oh, question. Right. We'll discuss. Number one, what upcoming Star Wars project could be a book, could be a show that has yet to release has you the most hyped and why? Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. Hey, that's back on now, isn't it? Yes, it's alive, guys. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga is alive, and I could not be more hyped. Go, give me. Give me now. What's yours? Hmm. I think the book of Boba Fett, you know, I really, um, I was, I really liked Fennec Shand in season two of The Mandalorian. Um, I loved Boba Fett in season two of The Mandalorian when he appeared. I just thought, obviously, amazing acting, just really a side of the character that I felt like we hadn't gotten to see before, you know, at this point he's been through... He like his his look the look on his face kind of just says I've seen things you wouldn't believe yeah. I've been through things you couldn't handle like get out of my way let me do my just thing. that scene alone from yeah. season two yeah the mu- and the, and and his new music his yeah. new music is just incredible so you know he 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 seems to just be he seems to just be saying um get out of my way and let me do my thing so i want to see him do his thing so it's gonna be book of Boba Fett. absolutely yeah i'm very excited for book of Boba Fett. i'm also very excited for visions is coming up very soon Ooh, um, visions is gonna be very cool what are your favorite character introductions in star wars 
My favorite character introductions. Go with like three or four of them. Three or four? Oh, wow. Um, uh, let's see. You mean like the, the first scene that a character is in? Yes. First off, Thrawn's, Thrawn's, um, oh, Thrawn's reveal in Rebels I is absolutely incredible. I need sees the bigger picture. Thrawn just... Oh. That was my fourth one. Um, uh, Absolutely uh, amazing. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Grand Admiral. The Emperor recently promoted me after my victory at Batone. Civilian casualties were in an old, at an all-time high. Yes, but that was stupid Governor Price's fault in the backstory novel that none of you read. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, Eli, you're you are going off today. You're going to say I am. My guy. My guy. Okay, um... My number two is gonna have to be. By the way, I'm not saying that the strong novel is stupid. I love the strong novel. I'm just saying Governor Price is responsible for the victor, the but the casualties on Batone, not Thrawn. So I'm defending yeah. my boyo. My number two. I don't really know if this counts as an introduction, but I'm gonna count it. It's gonna have to be Boba Fett's reintroduction in the Mandalorian. That is. Yeah. Pretty... Absolutely. Pretty sweet, you know, out in the mountains. I, I, that was pretty sweet. On Tatooine, yeah. On Tatooine, yeah. And I count that. My number three. For my number three, I am gonna go with. I think my number three is also gonna be from Rebels, and that is the introduction of Kanan Jarrus when Ezra sees Kanan in Spark of Rebellion, and you know, Kanan's all looking around and. Ezra feels special force connection with Kanan, you know, because he feels him in the force because he's force sensitive. And Kanan, Kanan maybe feels a little something, and he turns around and he's like, hmm, what's all this? And you just get that one little sense of rising mystery, and then it gets gets put off. Okay, here are my four. A young girl sleds down the slope of a gigantic sand dune. She pours a canteen of water into her mouth. She lives inside an old Imperial Star Destroyer of decades past. My number one is the introduction of Rey in The Force Awakens. Uh, my second one. <coughs> there has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Snoke in The Force Awakens. Um, and you already stole Thrawn, so I'll do my other one. Here's my third one, Jacob. A shuttle opens and the, and the door comes down. Uh, and who are you? I'm Ahsoka. Master Yoda sent me. So my three are Rey, Ahsoka, and Snoke. Nice. This is a bit of a hard one. What Star Wars villain in, in, in any story have you rooted for more than the hero? Darth Bane. But when you read his book trilogy, how can't you? Yeah. You never root for Johan Athoni in the Darth Bane trilogy. You never root for... Um, even though he's a really cool character, you never root for Lord Hall. You're always in the perspective of Darth Bane. So, Darth Bane. What about you? It's a hard question for me. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with... Um, I honestly have to go with Boba Fett in the episode that we, we just watched. Boba Fett in Bounty. Because he takes a lot of crap from people. Um, and you honestly, at least my perspective, you honestly kind of feel bad for him and just want him to succeed. And it's, I don't know, it kind of is uh, is compelling. Um, 
to 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 see him and and his fight. Absolutely, I think there's a lot of merit for that. Okay, here we go, Jacob. What is something that you like in Star Wars that most of the fandom seems to hate, and vice versa? What is something you like in Star Wars that most of this the fandom seems to hate, and vice versa? Hmm. One thing that I like in um the Star Wars fandom that most most fans seem to hate. Ooh, easy. The the skinny lightsabers in Star Wars Rebels. I love the skinny lightsabers in Rebels. I love the, the the kind of the shimmery effect that they have. I really think it's a nice throwback to the way that the lightsabers looked in the original trilogy, and I think it, it really it really kind of complements the way that a lot of the art style and character design of the show was taken directly from that from that seventies early eighties period of Star Wars of the original Ralph McQuarrie concept art. A lot of which never even made it into the movies, so that's got to be that's got to be mine. And then, um, for for the thing that I hate that everyone else seems to like, one word: Bo-Katan. <laughs> Meg, please. That's, I, know, I hope I hope Meg I hope Meg doesn't listen to this because I've already I've already been called out on Twitter and, and quite Look, quite okay. frankly I don't. Quite frankly, I don't feel confident about it. I'm going to cut this out. We're having our argument. Like a month. Do you really I, want to push this? I mean, it, you know, it's... What is something you like in, um, in Star Wars that most of the fandom seems to hate? Come on, everybody knows it's about me. It's the rise of freaking Skywalker, guys. Stop hammering down that movie so much. Come on. <laughs> yeah. and, and what is something you hate in Star Wars that most of the fandom seems to like? Hmm, I wonder, I, I really wonder what the thing is that I hate in Star Wars that so many fans seem to like. Revenge. We shall start with revenge. It's small, guys, come on. Yeah. Uh, anything else, or should we wrap this up? I think we can wrap it up. We've got a uh, long oh, episode. Absolutely. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode of Star Wars and Galaxy. Thank you so much for watching. We are going to be taking a week break this week. Um, when we come back, that will be on September 22nd, it will be. We will be doing a retrospective episode on Season 4 of Star Wars The Clone Wars, um, uh, which is our Season 7 finale Um until then, please uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at GalaxyPod, Instagram at Star Wars the Galaxy. You can listen to us on uh, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, we're going to be there. Um, uh, um, you can also email us at SWTheGalaxy at gmail.com. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. Until next time, may the force be with you. Always.